Man, fantastic. I loved worshiping with you guys today. What a great God we serve. So uh, today kicks off our discipleship conference, and uh, I'm really excited about that. Somebody asked me this week, uh, they were like, so that's kind of just for pastors during the, uh, during the week, right? And I was like, no, no. Uh, the morning sessions and the evening sessions, we have stuff for everybody. So in, in the evening sessions, we'll all be together like services like this, and we, man, we have got you hooked up this week. Tonight, Mark Trotter will be with us. And Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, uh, we're going to have... His name is Paul Clark. I know most of you may not know Paul Clark. He hasn't been to this church before. A missionary to Columbia. He's been there about 35 years. And uh, where he started a mother church that has produced 40 daughter, granddaughter, great-granddaughter churches. Praise the Lord, man. He's doing awesome work. And the way he's doing it is through biblical discipleship. And so uh, I'm excited about that. But, you know, when we use the word discipleship, it's a buzzword, man. You could go to the Christian bookstore, go to christianbook.com and look up discipleship, and there will be uh, hundreds and thousands of books that you could uh, buy, topics written about discipleship. If you Google it, uh, if Google is still what you use, I'm sorry, but if you Google it, you'll find lots of information. Everybody's talking about discipleship. In fact, this isn't the only discipleship conference, man. They're all over the places. So, but when we say discipleship, I often say that uh, sometimes Christians, we have the same vocabulary, but we have a different dictionary. Um, what we mean by discipleship may be something different than what they mean by discipleship. And when you first start talking about discipleship, and we value discipleship, and people will talk about spiritual growth and you start getting excited. You think, oh, yes, man, I'm all about this. So you start talking about discipleship, and to them, it may just be Sunday school. Or I trained somebody in our parking lot ministry to help them park cars, and so I've discipled that guy. And so we mean something different when we start talking about discipleship. So for our church, what we've done is we've examined the life of Jesus and, and to look at what he did with those 12 men who he trained. And that's what we would base our discipleship ministry on. We see that uh, communicated in 2 Peter chapter 1 and maybe outlined succinctly when the Bible tells us that we have faith, that's good. But you need to add to your faith. After you come to salvation, that, that's a birth, but you need to grow up. And so that's what we're talking about with discipleship. And so just to throw a uh, dictionary definition at you, maybe I'd say personally leading a person to be a fully devoted follower of Christ. That's what discipleship is. And so uh, we're going to talk about that. We're going to today is kind of just to get us started. I know we have a lot of new people in our church, uh, a lot of faces who you hear the word discipleship and you're not exactly sure what that is. And so I want to just take some time this morning to kind of uh, define it for us. But before I get into the definition, look, I should have told you if we should have received a uh, study guide when you came in. If you didn't receive one of those study guides, uh, if you'll raise your hand, the ushers will come down. They'll make sure that you get a copy of that. So just lift your hand up really high. I'm trusting somebody is more forward thinking than I am. Somebody's got that taken care of in the overflow. You can raise your hand as well. Maybe they'll just tell you, put it down. I don't know. I trust that they have all that worked out. You know, Greg Wimpy is He's a wizard on those spreadsheets, and I'm sure that he has all those details mapped out for us. But before we get too far into the definition, because that's what we're going to do today, is kind of give you a definition of what discipleship is, uh, I want you to hear an example 
of discipleship. So some of you are concrete thinkers. You're like, yeah, yeah, skip the dictionary definition and, and show me what it looks like. And so that's what we're going to do today. So I'm going to have Clint Satterfield come. And Clint is uh, tonight. He, he get, <laughs> Drew was all excited about it, man. Way to go, Drew. I like that. I have one fan. One fan. One fan. That guy. Way to go, Drew. Clint's going to tell you, you about Drew. his story and uh, discipleship. Good morning, guys. My name is Clint Satterfield, like you said. Um, Greg called me on Friday and just asked me to come talk to you guys a little bit about what discipleship is, what it was for me, and um, he said it's because I just finished the process, and I did, that's true, but you guys know how, you, is that better? You guys know how uh, organized Greg is, so I'm, I'm to the point, I'm not convinced that um, on his spreadsheet somewhere it doesn't say, uh, let's see if we can give the new guy a heart attack today, but... Um, <laughs> Either way, it worked, so I'm here. Um, so I came into discipleship a little bit different than most people did because the person that led me to Christ was also my discipler, Joe McKegg. You might know him. Um, uh, the next week after I was saved, we kind of just flowed right into it. We were already meeting. So um, for those of you that don't know, it's, it's 18 lessons. So um, it just kind of leads you through God's word uh, with your discipler. So you have somebody there to kind of mentor you to go through that process. Uh, we decided to meet once a week. So he would send me the lessons the week before, and I would, I would have time to kind of go through it each day, which was nice, um, and come up with questions or comments, something I wanted to talk to him about. And um, when we'd meet up, it would take, you know, one to two hours, I would say, is probably normal for, for the lesson that we meet up. But um, as you guys might know, if you've met Joe McKegg, um, one hour is not something that he's good at sticking to. So some of mine were a little bit longer, but that was great. Um, so each of the lessons kind of just focuses on one topic. You go through, and it tells you, what does God say about that topic? And, um, and that's... And then... But the point, the point is really not to check off boxes. It's not to get through this lesson. It's not to just check this off. Yeah, I get this done. What, it, what it's for is it's to establish the authority of God and his word in your life. Um, it's about giving you an opportunity to move along that path that's laid out in Second Peter, like he just talked about, uh, towards spiritual maturity. It's, it's, uh, it helped me. For what, so what, it did, what did it do for me? It, it helped me know what does it mean truly to be a follower of Christ. Um, it helped me develop a simple presentation of the gospel uh, and built confidence with just talking to somebody about what does it mean, what does salvation mean. Um, it taught me uh, who I am, who am I in relation to God, and how do I communicate with him. I communicate with him through prayer. He communicates through, to me through the book, through the word. Um, and one of my favorite parts really was it made me accountable. So you've got this section that you're going to go through that each week you know somebody's going to be talking to you about that, and they're going to be asking you, right? So you're accountable. You, you know that that's going to happen. And kind of between that and 52 weeks of pursuit, if you're, if you're doing that, it's, it's really helped me apply and understand my Bible like I never have before. Um, and, and really, so the bottom line of any ministry, when you boil it down, is it's about pouring the word of God into the souls of men. Um, and that's exactly what personal discipleship is. I mean, that's what we've been told to do, guys. Um, so 
you know, if you haven't gotten involved, I highly recommend that you do. I don't think you'll regret it unless Greg makes you come stand up in front of everybody and talk about it. But uh, it's definitely worth doing, and, and it's, uh, I couldn't, couldn't recommend it more. Awesome. Thanks, man. Keep great. Yeah, praise the Lord. So now it's my turn to talk. So get your study guide ready. Let's look, go through what the Bible says about discipleship in one little passage. And man, what, what would you say about discipleship? It's, it's so awesome. We should maybe just take time to walk through the entire Gospels and, uh, this morning and just study the life. I'm joking. Some of you are getting nervous there. We're not going to do that. Just turn to 2 Timothy chapter 2. If you didn't bring a Bible with you, there's probably one underneath or in, inside, in the back of the pew in front of you. Grab that and the table of contents in the beginning. We'll show you where 2 Timothy is. And chapter 2 is where we're going to be. And this contains, uh, our text today contains kind of the quintessential verse. If you were to look for one verse in the Bible that really summarizes discipleship, it would be 2 Timothy 2.2. And uh, we have that written on the pages of your discipleship lesson. That's kind of the, the key verse for that. But we're going to look at kind of the broader context because he gives us here uh, four understandings about discipleship that I want us to get. And the first one is going to be found in verses 1 and 2. Let me give you your blank so you can uh, write it in. Discipleship is a heritage that prepares a son. That's what discipleship is. It's a heritage. A heritage is something that is passed down from generations to you, and it prepares a son. So let's check it out. We're going to read verses 1 and 2 of 2 Timothy 2. It says, Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. You see what's going on in this verse is Timothy has received something from Paul. And now he's telling Timothy, now you commit what I committed to you, you commit to some faithful men, and they will teach others also. It's, uh, it's this idea of a father and a son. That's what he calls him, my son. In fact, the 1 Timothy 1 starts off with Paul calling Timothy his son in the faith. Have you, got a, have you got a father in the faith? You got somebody who's been like your spiritual parent and what Clint talked about? They walked with you? That's what discipleship is. Right? So it comes to time where, where Clint is, really. And we'll talk about it in a second. Matthew chapter 10 and verse 8, when Jesus has his disciples and he says, freely have received, freely give. Whatever you've received from your father in the faith, God expects for you to give that to the next generation. Right? Somebody has invested their life in you. That's great. Now use that to prepare the next generation. In this specific example, Paul committed some things to Timothy. And he says, Timothy, now I want you to commit those same things to somebody else, to some faithful men. And so what you need to understand about discipleship is this. Your role, and this is the first bullet. Your role is a father. And he calls Timothy his son, but then he's going to immediately say, you need to commit these things to somebody else. You need to be a father to somebody else. That's what we all hope for our kids, right? Not that they stay kids forever. And we love, I love having a son. But one day, man, I have, I have a dream for him that he would also be a father should the Lord tarry. I want for him to be a father. And so that's the role 
that we have in this heritage here. And so a father is a wonderful thing. It's, it's a human model. Do you know the, the way you learn to talk and walk? You know how you learned that? It wasn't through an uh, instruction manual. Nobody, when you're born, nobody gives you a book and says, here, this is how you're going to walk, kid. Read it. It's not through a class or a workshop. It's by watching a parent. It's by watching somebody. That's the way you learn to walk. That's the way you learn to talk. And it's so true in our spiritual life as well. When you're born again, you're a baby, and you need to learn how to walk with God and how to talk to God and how to interact with other people. You need to learn how to forgive when somebody hurts you. You need to learn how to treat other people. You need to learn how to pray. You need to learn how to read God's word. And we do that through a human parent, through a father. That's what God wants us to be to somebody. And I love this example with Clint. Because the person who fathered him in the faith is the same person who helped him be born again. That's the most natural way. That you would go lead somebody to Christ and then raise them. That's the way we do with our kids, by the way. Sometimes there's a need for adoption, and that's a beautiful thing. But the most natural way and the most common way is through our own reproduction. That's the way it ought to be with the gospel of Jesus Christ, that we would bring someone to be born again, and then we would father them in the faith, right? And so some of you aren't really, you're not really grasping it yet. I'm trying, but you're filling out your blanks and crayons, and so we need to do something a little bit more here. Let me show you 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 10 and 11. Maybe you've never thought about, what does it mean to be a father? How do I do that? Well, Paul talks to the church at Thessalonica, and he tells them, ye are witnesses. Ye is just the Bible's word for y'all. It's you plural. Ye are witnesses. And God also, how holily and justly and unblameably we behaved ourselves among you that believe. He said, you witnessed that stuff from us. You saw our behavior. And he says three things that they saw about his behavior. They could look at his life and see how holy and justly and unblameably he behaved himself. And he's actually speaking about Paul, Timothy, and Silas here. That's why it's plural, ourselves. So there's a part of parenting that is just living the life in front of them. We we often say um, it's better caught than taught. Right? So your, your kids are watching you. And you know, have you ever noticed that when you tell your kids to be respectful, but then they start saying the things that come out of your mouth, and you're like, oh, well, I maybe I taught them how to do that. I was telling them one thing, but I was showing them something else. And Paul is saying there's a showing part of being a discipler, a disciple maker, where you're demonstrating a life, a behavior in front of them. But then he goes on and he says, as you know how we exhorted, and comforted and charged every one of you as a father doth his children. So a father both shows you a behavior and they teach you with their words. And I love you. Gave you three things on each one. But one has to do with your behavior and one has to do with your words. It's not enough just to live a good life in front of your kids. You need to talk to them. You need to teach them. You need to charge them. And the same thing is true with your disciples. It's not just about hanging out together. That's important. Let them see your life. Let them witness how you, when you mess up, what do you do? They'll learn when they mess up what they do. But you also have to teach them with your words. But here's the conflict in our culture. In our culture, we're much better at teaching than we are 
about demonstrating. We're better with telling them the words than we are with showing them the behavior. And that's not necessarily because we're hypocrites and our behavior is wrong. Sometimes it is. Sometimes we just are kind of messed up on what it means to train. So that's not just us, though. Actually, like almost 2,000 years ago, Paul writes to the church at Corinth. And he tells them that's their problem, too. And if you ever read 1 Corinthians, you know they're full of problems. They've got all kinds of conflict in the church. And centrally, it's because they're babes in Christ. And so they have lots of problems. So let me read to you. It's up on the screen, 1 Corinthians 4, verses 14 through 16. He says, I write not these things to shame you. I'm not trying to shame you. But as my beloved sons, I warn you. So implicitly, this is kind of shameful. But explicitly, this is dangerous. He's, he's giving them a warning. For though you have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet have you not many fathers. For in Christ Jesus I have begotten you through the gospel. Wherefore, I beseech you, be ye followers of me. Being a father is about demonstrating with your life and teaching with your words. Both of those things. And in our culture, just like in Corinth, we got 10,000 instructors. You can go to a Christian bookstore or Amazon, however you do your shopping, and you can find a plethora of information. There are universities everywhere. You can go to classes. But you know what? All this instruction correlates, corresponds to a time where we have more heresy. And people are less mature than they ever were. Why? Because we don't have many fathers. It's dangerous. So you've got a responsibility as a father, and it's this. This is your blank. Your responsibility is to commit. That's what he tells him. The things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit to faithful men. That means to entrust them, to put them in charge of it. What things is he talking about? The things. Well, it's the things that thou hast heard of me. And he's referring to the words of his teaching, the doctrines. Right? And so I'm going to skip one on you. I'm, I can't even tell who's up there. I'm going to skip one to Titus chapter 1 in verse 3. I want you to see what was committed to Paul. It says, But hath in this and due times manifested his word through preaching, which is committed unto me. What was committed unto Paul? The word. God's word. And in 2 Timothy chapter 1, this is what Paul is now going to commit to his son Timothy. The same thing. 2 Timothy 1, 13 and 14. Hold fast the form of sound words which thou hast heard of me. That's our phrase. In faith and love which is in Christ Jesus. That good thing which was committed unto thee. Keep by the Holy Ghost which dwelleth within us. You hear what Paul's saying? What was committed to Paul? The word of God. What did he commit to his son in the faith? Timothy. And what does he tell Timothy to commit to faithful men? Those same things that you heard from me. It's the Word of God. And so the Word of God has to be central to that. That's why we have that material, but that, those lessons are just intended to bring you back to what the Word of God says. All know those different topics that Clint was talking about. So you don't just come up with your own ideas on how I think I ought to live or what Christianity is all about or what's right or wrong. But we always bring them back to the book. Listen, if you're in discipleship, always bring them back to the book. That's what needs to be. Listen, commit to them not your preferences, not your tradition, not your ceremony, not your opinions. 
Commit to them the words of God. What is the Because inevitably, stuff is going to come up in their life. Don't tell them the way mom always taught me. Let's go to the book and find out what the Bible says about it. That's the things that we commit to the next. You know why? Because when Jesus prayed in John 17, 17, he's praying for his disciples that God the Father would sanctify them. And he says, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. You know what's going to sanctify them? What's going to set them apart and make them holy? It's the word of God. It's not my traditions. It, it's not my opinions. It's the word of God. All right, let me keep going. I'm going to skip some on you. I'm sorry. This, your last bullet here is the reward. Each one of these understandings comes with a reward. And your reward on this one is posterity. Did you notice as we read through verse 2 that there are four generations mentioned? Paul says, you're my son, Timothy. Now I want you to commit to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. There's Paul, there's Timothy, there's faithful men, and there's others. That's a posterity. It's all the succeeding generations. So when you're discipling somebody, you're not just thinking about their life, but the son that they'll raise. This could be helpful in parenting too. Don't just raise your kids so that they're happy in life. Raise your kids so that they're capable of raising another kid who will raise another kid. But in discipleship, it's certainly true that when we're making disciples, we can't just say, what would make them happy? Or, you know, what would be enough for them to behave the way I want them to behave? No, you need to instill in them and commit to them the things that will empower them to do that for the next generation. We've got to commit those things diligently to them. The decline of Christianity in the United States coincides with more instruction than ever before, but less true discipleship. Like Corinth, I speak these things to warn you. There's no posterity in the United States. The future generations of Christianity does not look good. We're not leading more people to Christ. Our churches aren't busting at the seams and people learning to follow God. We're not sending out missionaries. We're waning. We're falling behind. We're not even keeping up with our culture. We're falling behind. Posterity, the way you preserve future generations is by making disciples. And this church is blessed because of discipleship. We're blessed because Joe McCaig came. And he was a disciple-making pastor. Some of you were his disciples, personally. And, and he invested in you. I'm one of those. I'm so thankful. My life is totally changed because of him. But this whole church is blessed because some of you, many of you, have been discipled by people who he discipled. You are the faithful men. Now go teach others also. You know, even indirectly, this church is blessed because he trained a replacement like Paul did with Timothy. There's lots of, Bartow County has a lot of pastors resigning or moving. And a lot of them are wondering what they're going to do. Who's going to come in? And I'm thankful for what God has done through discipleship in this church. So if you're in discipleship, you're a disciple, man, treat that teacher like a father. Learn all you can from him because one day you're called to be that father. Learn how, what it means to be a father. Respect him just like 
Just like with your, uh, your human dad, your physical father. You know, sometimes when you're growing up, you think they're stupid. You know, like your, your dad, when you go from like uh, 12 to 13, your dad goes from hero to zero. From the smartest man, the coolest man on earth, to the dumbest and lamest man on earth. Sometimes when we're growing up, we think, oh, that guy, he's just so out of touch or he doesn't know. And then you get older and you say, oh, he was pretty wise. And he loved me a whole lot, made a lot of sacrifices for me. So respect him. But if you're a disciple maker, treat him like your son. Love him. My son falls down a lot. He's two. And he likes to crash everything. So when he does that, I don't laugh at him. (laughs) I don't condemn him and judge him. I help him up. That's what we got to do. Love him unconditionally and take him with you. You do in ministry, take him with you. Let him see, demonstrate how to do ministry with him. That's the way they're going to learn is by watching you. Be transparent about the problems and the struggles. Be, be submissive and, and repentant when you mess up. They'll learn to do the same. We got to keep going though because that's only point number one. So point number two is this. Discipleship is a war. Oh, man, well, that doesn't sound very good. It's a war that pleases the Lord. 2 Timothy chapter 2, let's read verses 3 and 4, because right in the context of him telling him to make disciples, he says in verse 3, Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ, and no man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. So your blank, as you can imagine, your role is that of a soldier. What happens, Colossians chapter 1 says that when you are saved, you are translated out of the kingdom of Satan into the kingdom of God. And in this kingdom, you have been chosen to be a soldier. Some of you have served in the armed forces. Thank you. But you know what happens? When you're a soldier, you're not called to a life of comfort and ease and convenience and luxury. No, you're eating MREs, which are terrible, by the way. You're living in places we don't want to live in housing that we don't want to live. It's not a life of comfort. That's why he says endure hardness. And you better know this. If you're going to be in discipleship, expect some hardness. Expect some difficulty. And so that's where your next blank comes in. Your responsibility, he says, is to endure. Endure that hardness. You don't have to love it. Just endure it. Discipleship gets messy because as you get involved in people's life, what you find out is, hey, we're all sinners. And, and this new disciple that you have, he has a history of serving the devil and satisfying his flesh and fitting in with the world. And when he starts to be sanctified through the word of God being implanted into his heart, you know what's going to happen? The devil's not going to be real happy. That a soldier's being trained. And his flesh isn't going to be happy that now it's going to have to surrender control. No, it's going to fight for control. And you're going to have a mess on your hands. And the world that he lives in, they're not going to be celebrating. Oh, you're following Jesus. You don't do the things that we're doing. You think that's wrong now. Oh, so good for you. No, they're going to fight. In fact, Jesus said, if you'd have been like the world, they'd have loved you. But because you're like me, they hate you. And they're going to face opposition all the way around. So endure hardness. Fight for your disciple, not against your disciple. 
So get down and pray for them. Fight that spiritual battle with them and endure those times. Some of you, God bless you, you've got three-year-olds. I was telling somebody this week, they call the terrible twos. It's got nothing on the threes. They said it's got nothing on the fours. So, uh -huh. Some of you got teenagers. Listen, endure hardness. In discipleship, you're going to have problems. You're going to have conflict. Not everything is going to be rosy all the time. So he tells him to endure hardness. And, and he says that no, no man that warth, no soldier, entangles himself with the affairs of this life. There are lots of things to get caught up in in life. Your schedule, oh, that's one. Time. People say money is our God, and maybe so. But maybe time is your God. And that schedule, man, I just I don't have time for all that. Finances can certainly be, feelings can be the affairs of this life. Look, look at the way Jesus says it when he tells the story of the the seed that was sown among thorns. Luke 8.14 is on the screen. It says, And that which fell among thorns are they which, when they have heard, go forth and are choked with the cares and the riches and the pleasures of this life and bring no fruit to perfection. Listen, as a disciple maker, if you get tangled up in the affairs of this life, you're not going to have fruit. You're not going to have disciples that are following the Lord. So let me just say, even this week, there are lots of affairs of this life that could keep you from being here. But discipleship is a war. And so endure hardness. There, there are going to be some things you've got to give up. I love, I've talked to some people this week. You're taking off work or you're rearranging your schedule or you're not going to ball practice or all the different things that you're involved in making sacrifices because you're devoted to the cause. That's what a soldier does. Praise the Lord. It's going to be a fight. So fight and know this, this is your blank. There's a reward and it's pleasing Jesus. I don't know if there's a better reward. All these other things are good rewards, but man, this is, for me, this is my heart. Man, the one thing, I'll share this with you, but don't ever ask about it, okay? I wrote a song one time. What are you laughing at? <laughs> Some of you know my musical ability is lacking. Um, I wrote a song one time uh, from the phrase from Jesus uh, evaluates his servants and he says, well done, thou good and faithful servant. That's what I want to hear more than anything else. I want to please Jesus. He gave absolutely everything for me and he continues to walk with me. He's the love of my life. He's my Lord. He's my master and I love him. And there's nothing I want to do more than please him. And, and Paul says that when you don't get entangled in the affairs of this life, verse 4 says that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. God's chosen me to be a soldier, and I want to please him with my life. So I'm willing to make those sacrifices. I'm willing to fight that fight. The third one you have is this. Discipleship is a competition that pursues victory. It's a competition and we have in, in verse 5, the next illustration, he says, And if a man also strive for masteries, yet is he not crowned except he strive lawfully. And this alludes to those games, those Olympic games that those Greeks would know so well. And he says, your role is an athlete. I am an athlete. No amens at all. Okay. 
<laughs> you're sitting there, yeah, you're a mathlete, maybe. Yeah. You ever watch ESPN and wonder how that stuff counts as an athletics? I mean, what, what is that? You ever watch it? It's like World Series of Poker. Nah, I've seen some of those guys. They don't look very athletic, you know? They are sweating a lot of times. Or, I know this is not going to make any friends here, I'm sorry, but NASCAR, I'm really wondering. Listen, I've seen professional drivers who drive across the whole country, and they don't look very athletic at all. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But seriously, the spelling bee is on ESPN. The sports network with the spelling bee, or chess. Are those really? No. But it is a competition, we can say that. And here we've called to be an athlete. So your responsibility is this, to strive. Just like an Olympian would strive, it speaks to the effort. Amen. <laughs> it speaks to the effort. Because you know how Olympians are. I mean, you probably have lots of friends who are Olympians, right? Maybe you know somebody who's in another sport and they don't, uh, they don't do the things you do. They don't eat the things I eat because they don't want to look like I look. <laughs> and when we're going to go do something and hang out, they've got to go to practice, right? So it takes effort to strive for the mastery. That's what you've been called to do. Colossians 1, 28 and 29 is on the screen. Paul says, whom we preach warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom. Why? That we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. And in previous weeks, we've talked about that perfect is, is completion. It's talking about bring them to maturity in Christ. And as he talks about, we want to present every man perfect. We want to grow them up in their faith. He says, whereunto I also labor, striving according to his working, which worketh in me mightily. Oh, I love that part, and we'll get back to the striving part. But did you notice that all the while, while Paul is striving to perfect disciples, that God's working in him? Some of you ain't feeling me like I need, to be, need you to be feeling me, but there's a... When we talk about the levels of spiritual growth, or the stages of spiritual growth, when you complete personal discipleship, praise the Lord. That's a milestone. It's kind of like when your kid uh, gets out of elementary school. Man, that's a, that's a milestone. But they're not done growing, right? There comes time in your life when it's not just so much that you need to learn for your development, but then you need to do for your development. We'll talk a little bit more about it tonight. But he says he's striving to pre present every man perfect, to, to make disciples that are grown to maturity. We talked about 2 Peter 1, the way that it says it is giving all diligence add to your faith. So it's going to take some effort, but there's a reward in it, right? All of that sacrifice those Olympians do, what do they do it for? The medal, right? To be the best, to, to be recognized with a reward, stand on that podium. So the reward is a crown, that's what he says in our text. That yet he is not crowned except he strive lawfully. By the way, that lawfully, that's in, in accordance with God's word. But there's a crown to be won. 
Paul talks about it in 1 Corinthians 9, 24 and 25 quickly. Uh, Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize, so run that ye may obtain. And every man that striveth for the mastery, that's our, those are our words, is temperate in all things, that they may do it to obtain a corruptible crown. But we, an incorruptible crown. Olympians, they do it for a gold that's cor- a gold or a silver or a bronze or even recognition that's corruptible. But we have such a greater reward coming, something that's incorruptible, but it takes temperance. You know, when you temper steel or you temper glass, you have to heat it up. There's some trials that come with that. And you have to add elements to it and you have to take elements away to make it strong enough to be used. And in your life, you're going to have to add some things to your life. You're going to have to take away some things from your life so that you can focus on the work that God's called you and, and fulfill your purpose. Last one is this. Discipleship is a garden that produces a harvest. Discipleship is a garden that produces a harvest. And that's what we have in verse 6. It says, The husbandman that laboreth must be first partaker of the fruits. The husbandman. You use that word a lot, don't you? That's a, that's a cultivator. That's a, that's a gardener. It's a farmer. And so that's your, your blank. Is your role in discipleship is a farmer. And God uses this all the time. He says that we need to be plowing. He says we need to be sowing the Word of God. That we need to be watering. That we need to be harvesting. Reaping. We're farmers. That's what discipleship is like. You take the seed of God's Word and you plant it in somebody's heart and you, and you water it and you keep the weeds away and eventually it produces fruit. It produces a harvest. So your responsibility in this one he says, is to labor. The husbandman that laboreth. That means work. Because farming takes work. Fruitfulness is natural, but it's not automatic. And that's the way it'll be with disciples too. If you want fruit, it's natural, but it's not automatic. It's going to take work. It's going to take time. You know the thing about farming is, you don't go out one day, throw a seed in the ground, Oh, there it is. No, it takes a long time. More time than I got patience for. I don't even do that stuff. Some of you do. You know what it's like. There's totally different seasons for planting, for harvesting. It takes diligence. There's a lot of frustration that comes, I'm sure. Everything I've ever tried to plant dies. Some people have a green thumb. I have a brown thumb. I've tried to plant stuff. I kill stuff. You know, you go out, you clean weeds out of your... I don't know how you do it. All the time. People out there working in that garden all the time. Mr. Bill Shook would bring me peppers and all kinds of stuff. I don't know how he does it. It takes a lot of work, a lot of diligence to stay at it. There are going to be things that are outside of your control, like weather. Rodents. Insects. So in discipleship, there's going to be frustrations for sure. Stick to it. Do the work. Because there's fruit. 1 Corinthians 15, 58, when Paul talks about the work of the Lord, that work of making disciples, he says to be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain, it comes with a reward. And so let me tell you what that is. And you're blank. Your reward is partaking of the fruit. You get to partake of the fruit. 
See, the, the farmer is willing to go through all that work because it's going to bring a harvest. And specifically in discipleship, let me tell you about one of the greatest rewards is that fruit. And, and third John in verse 4, John says, I have no greater joy than to see that my children walk in the truth. Man, when, when you can disciple somebody and you see them discipling somebody else, you see them ministering the word of God, you see them sharing the gospel or teaching a class, man, the joy that that brings, it's incomparable. John says, I have no greater joy than that. So there's joy in discipleship from the fruit that comes from it. We got this discipleship conference coming up. Let me encourage you. Be here. Some of you, you're not really even sure what this discipleship thing would, is. You're not really sure how it works in this church. Man, we have a track. That, in fact, flip that uh, study guide over. On the back of that, you've got kind of a, a, dim, a description of the different tracks. There are three tracks in the morning. The first one is the foundations track. And if you haven't completed that, that's, the, that's where you need to begin. It's not like a... It's not an easy breezy kind of Mickey Mouse course. It is legit. There's a lot of study in that one. But it's going to introduce you to what discipleship is according to the scripture. And how we do it at this church. So I encourage you to be here for that. If you've already completed that, the alumni track is where you need to be. And if you've already completed the alumni track, there's a pastoral track. It's not just for pastors. But we figure it's mostly going to be pastors. And there's some uh, great teaching in that. You can see what's on there. Let me encourage you to be here for that. That's tracks for everybody. And that's going to be in the morning. You'll meet at 9 o'clock to 12 o'clock. And then the evenings, we get the evening sessions. Let me encourage you to be here. It, maybe you haven't signed up to serve anywhere and you want to. Find Greg Wimpy today. Tell him you want to help serve. If you can't find him because he's running around somewhere, just send him an email. You can find his information on our website. Discipleship is what God's called us to do. Maybe you've never received. Maybe no one's ever been like a father to you and helped you to grow to where you can walk with the Lord and you can talk with the Lord. The discipleship ministry in our church is awesome. In fact, next week in your bulletin, you have it that next week we have the cost of discipleship starting up. So if you've never been in discipleship, you want that? Next Sunday at 10 a.m., be at the cost of discipleship. One of our pastors, Michael Long, will walk you through. And that's the first step that you take to get into personal discipleship. Maybe you've been discipled, but you haven't passed it on. Once you come this week and get equipped and get encouraged to do the work that God's called us to do, we'll talk more about it tonight. But I want to take just a moment to pray. And uh, as we pray, I want to give you just an opportunity to respond to the Lord. Wherever you're at, in this process. So bow your heads with me. Maybe you're here and you just want to talk to the Lord about being discipled. Maybe you've never had anybody grow you up that way. You've never had a spiritual parent. And despite all the distractions in this life and all the scheduling stuff, you would just say, God, I want to grow. I want to learn to walk with you. I don't want to be a baby Christian. And in this moment, you would just commit to him that you're truly going to follow. And you know it's going to cost you some things. But you're willing to pay that cost to follow Jesus.
Maybe you've already been through discipleship and it's just become something that is in your past and you're not actively involved in making disciples. And you would just commit to him, I'm giving myself to you, God. You created me for a purpose. And I've received. Now I want to give. I want that child in the faith. I want that fruit. Maybe you would even pray like Hannah prayed so desperately for a child. She prayed for Samuel and God heard her cry. Maybe you would cry out to God and say, God, give me someone that I can grow. Maybe you get involved in evangelism, whatever it is that God's doing in your heart. Would you just respond to him today? Father, I thank you for your grace, for just the awesome privilege of being involved in your mission, for the way that you have blessed us with men and women who invest in us and grow us in our faith. I pray that you'd bless them and help us to pass it forward. We freely receive, now we want to freely give. God, there's those in this room who have already been discipled. And you've called them to be disciple makers. To be a father that would pass on that heritage. God, I pray that you would use them in that way. To be a soldier that would endure the hardness of making disciples. God, that you would call them to be an athlete who pursues that crown. And a farmer who works the field so that he can have fruit. God, for those in this room that they're saved, but they've never grown in their faith. God, I pray that this week you would challenge them and encourage them to grow. Help them to know the next steps that they need to take so that they can have a life of maturity in you. And God, I also pray for all the men and women who will be driving in and flying in. God, I pray that you would meet with us this week and just exactly what we need, that your Holy Spirit would meet us and give us what we need. That you would encourage us and strengthen us. Give us a passion for making disciples here. And training up leaders so that we can send them out. And we'll give you all the praise for it. In Jesus' name. Amen.